are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, everybody. Episode 174 of Locked On Browns. Uh, guys, we're getting closer and closer now to the numbers, obviously, but things are starting to trickle in. We've gotten some weights from Indianapolis as far as, you know, uh, you know, bench press has been done. We're starting to see that stuff. Uh, you know, most of the measurements are starting to trickle down here now, so it's, you know, it's getting to be really fun. I've got a great guest here this evening. We're going to go through kind of his hot history of whether it would be a scout, finding players, um, you know, coaching players. Uh, Dan Shanka from Our Lads does a fantastic job over there, comes with a boatload of experience. He's been in football from every aspect of it. Dan, first off, thank you for your time this evening, and just let everybody know how busy of a time that it is, of, uh, you know, this time of the year it is for you. Yeah, Jeff, well, thank you very much for asking me to come on and everything, and, uh, no, it, it uh, you know, normally, right now, you're probably feeling pretty good because we're looking to get the verified information on the underclassmen that came out, and, you know, guys that didn't play in all-star games and things like that, but this year with... Uh, you know, I know it's advertised uh, by the NFL, 106 uh, juniors came out, but it's really 126 counting graduated juniors and special uh, uh, compensation for another group of guys and stuff. So, you know, it's 126 players, which is really half this draft, uh, and 93 of those guys are invited to the Combine. So... It's, uh, you know, we're still working our way through some of these players that uh, we didn't look at last fall and summer that, you know, shocked us that they came out. So uh, it's, a, it's a very busy time. And generally, I tell you, Jeff, it takes us about, uh, about four hours, you know, three to four hours to look, look at a guy, you know, look at four tapes and study him and things like that. Well, you can imagine if you have to do uh, 50 guys, for instance, and uh, there are four hours apiece. you got to find 200 hours between January 15th and, uh, you know, the next week or two to get uh, <laughs> to get them all looked at, you know? Uh, absolutely. And, you know, and like we were mentioned before we started recording here, there's always those head scratchers of, you know, where did this you know guy come from? You know, where did he get his information that he decided to come out? And then there's guys <clears throat> that people viewed as slam dunks that they would come out. And, you know, some of the guys that everybody said, oh, my God, what's he doing? It works out well for them. Then, of course, there's always a couple of guys that everybody's confident in that, you know, end up on, you know, three teams in an 11-month, you know, type of stretch. So, you know, as much as there is a lot of science to it, sometimes the science just isn't exact. No, I, no, that's exactly right. Uh, you know, and, um, you know, the, I, I mean, there's some guys you knew that were going to come out. Uh, I mean, we felt good, obviously, about Barkley coming out and Mark Andrews, Oklahoma, tight end. And, uh, Josh Allen, I guess, couldn't wait to come out. Everybody's telling him how great he has been for the last couple years and everything, you know. And, uh, you know, uh, guys like uh, Jara Alexander. and um, But, you know, uh, there was a, a lot of guys that uh, – that should have come out, in my opinion, but then there is also probably, you know, another uh, 50 that probably wouldn't hurt if they stayed in school. Well, it's an interesting one. Um, he, actually, his name is on the rise. We'll see how he works out. But, um, you know, Jesse Bates is a redshirt sophomore out of Wake Forest. You know, it's always, you know, like you can understand, well, I mean, I don't want to say understand, but, you know, like your, your bigger schools that every year, you know, we see the close to 10, if not more, draft prospects. 
an Ohio State or an LSU. And Wake Forest is definitely a program on the rise in the ACC. But we're at the point now where we're looking at you know guys from Wake Forest leaving as redshirt sophomores. That's always you know it's a testament to the program because obviously you know the eyes are on it. But it's always interesting to see programs. I remember Ryan Claddy years ago at a Boise State, and I was just like, wow, we're to the point now where guys from Boise State are just confident enough with leaving early. Yeah, no, that, that's right. And uh, Boise always puts out, uh, you know, like the, the center from uh, the Broncos, Paradise. You know, when he came out, I was, I mean, but he was a senior. But I thought, my goodness, now here's an undersized senior that, uh, you know, we wrote as a free agent. And he's ended up starting the last, uh, you know, since, you know, I guess he was there about a year or two. And then he started. So, uh, you know, I mean, he's really done. He's a smart guy. Did a good job. But. You know, theoretically, a lot of the offensive line coaches—they're looking for a guy with a little more length to them, and uh, especially in that zone-blocking scheme that uh, they can reach that second level. And Paradise didn't really fix fit that bill for us, but he's done a good job for Denver to this point. So, uh, you know, it's just—it's uh, kind of like horses for horses. And and uh, if that offensive line coach likes you, now he's got a new offensive line coach, uh, you know, and uh, Sean Kugler. So we'll see if he's still around as a center for uh, Denver uh, next year. <laughs> now, Dan, uh, as I mentioned, you've been involved with football uh, with, as a player, um, whether it was finding players from a recruiting aspect, um, scouting players, obviously coaching up players. What part of that serves you best in what you're doing today? Well, I think that it's the total package, Jeff, <laughs> that, um, you know, when you coached a uh, position, I was fortunate enough that, um, I, I, I really coached every position one time or another, whether I was when I was a head coach or when I was a student assistant or when I was assistant. You know, I, I coached on both sides of the football on the major college level. Um, then when I was a uh, college coach or when I was uh, a small college coach and a, uh, a junior college coach, you know, you had to kind of basically coach a couple positions and, uh, Oh, I, I had uh, one, uh, uh, there was one year where I had my offensive coordinator, he got a brain tumor, and he was in the hospital, so I was calling the offensive, I was calling the offensive signals and the defensive signals oh, and uh, put, doing all kinds of stuff because then we had a small, small staff and, um, you know, then I had one of my former players as a graduate assistant coaching the offensive line, but, hey, we ended up 5-3-1, and one, so I guess I couldn't complain, but it was... Uh, you know, it's kind of funny because then, I think it was the next year, I started scouting national football scouting, and I went into Tennessee, and Carson Newman was always a big powerhouse, and I go in there, and they had 10 full-time assistants, and at one time, we were at, I was at New Mexico Highlands then, and we were ranked 10th in the country, and uh, I had uh, one full-time assistant, and I go in there, and Carson Newman, they got 10 full-time assistants, <laughs> and I say, hey, man, you guys are living the life, you know, so, but anyway... Just too funny. Um, now, as far as you know, obviously a scout. Now, you know whatever you were assigned to by a team, you know whatever it was your region and your players. What are you? You know, is this is this big for you as far as your report, or is this is just the confirmation of you know I want to see you know whether a I wasn't so high on this player and look okay now the you know how he worked out. How we measured in, you know, whether if it's an underclassman, because obviously, you know, the seniors at this point we're probably pretty sure of, you know, how they test. But what's it like when you have a guy? 
I, I want if I want to use like a, a crazy example. Say you were a guy in charge of you know obviously well he's probably the wrong guy, but say it's a small school guy and it's a guy you watched for two years, and he gets to the combine and here I'll use this name for an example, Byron Jones. He was a guy I got to talk to September of his senior year, and I got to talk to him. You know we 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 texted back and forth weekly, and he kind of told me what he was going to do at the combine. And I was like, I don't know if this guy's kind of blowing a little smoke up my you-know-what, but these are Olympic, you know, these are Olympic type of numbers. And then he went and did it, which is amazing. Now, as a scout, if this is a guy you've been on, you, you, how does that make you feel when you know this and you saw this in a guy and not many other people did? No, I tell you, that, no, you, you know, that's, it's really a great feeling. You know, it's kind of suspicion confirmed uh, and... Uh, you know, you see that the guy's a really good athlete when you're studying him on film and everything. And then when uh, he goes out and, and does it, it, it's really great. And when I was with National Football Scouting, I always liked to uh, – I always had my own groups at the Combine and everything. And then I would uh, check with uh, the other groups and see how my guys were doing because I always wanted to – you know, hopefully I had the guys, uh, you know, where they were – graded and whatnot you didn't want to see anybody you know be a train wreck or anything you want to always see the guys do better than maybe you thought they they would and uh so no it, it's um it, it's very reassuring that uh when when you put a grade on the guy and he comes into the combine and really does well or you know say he just doesn't collapse uh I mean, uh, I had Brian Cox uh, in my area uh, when Western Illinois was in my area when Brian was there. And, uh, you know, Brian, back then when Brian came out, you know, they, they didn't really uh, train the guys like they do nowadays. I mean, you know, 9.5 out of 10 guys are, you know, it's all canned. They know it's going to be at the Combine, so they train for it for a couple months. And, hey, they come in there usually pretty sharp. And uh, Brian didn't have uh, a lot of leadership there. He, he did not look real good at the combine during the workouts, but yet he was really a good player. And uh, I, gave, I, I gave Brian a fourth-round grade when I was with National coming out. But, man, I was fairly embarrassed when he didn't work out that well. And I, you know, but but I, that was the problem, you know, I, and that was a, a different time. But he, he was not, uh, you know, he didn't run well. He didn't bench press well. All he did is you look at the film, he played pretty good, you know. So, um, But, hey, it worked out for him. He had a great career in the NFL. Absolutely. Um, now, as far as if you're a scout and, obviously, you know, players that you have, you know, for your team going into Indy, how much can change from the combine from what you had on him? Can a guy jump around? Can he drop around? Can it be a bigger gap than that? Well, you know, I think that, uh, like if he's a speed guy, for instance, if you think he's really a, a, a fast um, uh, wide receiver, for instance, a speed receiver, um, you know, if he doesn't run as well as you thought he could, uh, you know, that it, it could hurt him, you know, because, and I always, when in the draft meetings, it used to upset me because I'd always say stuff like, hey, are we looking for a track team or are you looking for football players, you know, and... Uh, but, you know, it does make a difference. Uh, you've got to have the speed. And, uh, 
And uh, what's one thing that's kind of bad is that a fast guy will always get a chance, even though he's not a very good football player, will always get a chance <laughs> over a guy that's really a good football player, catches the ball well and all that. And I'll give you a perfect example. Uh, when I was with Philadelphia, um, we I, I signed a free agent uh, out of uh, 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 Missouri Southern and by the name of James Thrash. And Thrash had a, just an outstanding... Uh, uh, OTAs and everything really looked good, and uh, and Gruden he wanted a veteran wide receiver that he could put in his uh, offensive scheme, and uh, and uh, so they cut him, you know. And fortunately, um, a guy that worked with us in Philadelphia was now in Washington. He calls and goes, "Geez, what happened to uh, James? He, he was looking great there, because I mean, Crash was a, a little over six foot, about two hundred pounds. I timed him in a four four seven at Missouri Southern on a, and worked him out and it worked out great and everything. Really a smart kid, really liked him and all that. And, and um, anyway, we signed him uh, as the free agent there, Philly. And anyway, Ruth cut him after OTAs. And then uh, Chuck Banker called me from, uh, he was in the pro department there at the Redskins. He goes, hey, what happened to, uh, what happened to James? And I said, well, Gruden happened to him. You know, I said, <laughs> Gruden wanted to bring, bring a broken down wide receiver that knew the West Coast offense. And uh, so, and the funny part of it was uh, uh, then that during the preseason, uh, Thrash had returned a kickoff for a touchdown and a punt for a touchdown the next week. And, and uh, Ray Rhodes at that time was really upset. You know, he just says, I can't believe that, you know, we let that guy out of here. And, the, you know, long story short is, um, you know, James played for 14 or 15 years and uh, he was a great special teamer his whole career. And I signed him for, I was thinking it was $5,000 as a free agent. And then Philadelphia, three or four years later, gave him, in free agency, gave him like $3.5 million to get him back. So, um, but, you know, it was, it was one of those things where, hey, Gruden wanted a veteran guy, and uh, James was a hard work smoker. And by the way, you know, James Thrash is now in the NFL office working in there. So, uh, but but James was um, uh, you know blue collar guy tough hard working all that and um, so you know there's just another example of uh, here here's a guy that got got his opportunity made the best of in fact in fact North Turner even uh, you know made a spot on the roster to keep James he thought thought so much of him uh, when they brought him in there you know after he got cut from Philly and everything and, uh, and then of course the rest is history so. You know, like I said, there's there's uh, horses for courses, and and coaches make a big big difference. It's funny how that works, guys. We're listening to Locked On Browns episode 174 with Dan Shaka from OurLads.com. You know, former player, coach, recruiter, scout. Uh, he's you know obviously been through every football aspect there is. If you're listening first through the megaphone after our first timers, guys, please go ahead and subscribe iTunes, Spotify. Leave that five star review. I appreciate all you know all that you guys have been giving to me. I'm doing everything I can to put out great shows for you. Uh, Dan, as we move further, I want to get a little bit into this class. Um, it, it's always funny. The way it works every year is, you know, oh, this class is phenomenal or this class is poor. But look, there's, you know, there's meat and potatoes to every class. Every class differs, which, of course, you know, that's the way it's going to be. But, you know, I think anybody wants to say, oh, this isn't a great class, I do have a hard time with that because once you have a quarterback-heavy class, 
and important as the position is, obviously, we all know, and the NFL is starving for quarterbacks when you see teams by week 15, 16, 17 trotting out a third starting quarterback. Uh, there was Houston a couple of years ago that played four starting quarterbacks. If you have a deep draft at the quarterback position, it should make for a good class. But as far as this class on a whole, what are some thoughts and where do you say, think that maybe the meat and potatoes of this group is? Well, you know, I think I think there's more quantity maybe than quality at this point. Uh, I think that, um, you know, when you're looking at the position specifics on these guys, uh, you know, you're looking for guys that are accurate and are good decision makers. And really two guys rise to the top uh, of the top six guys, in, in my opinion, and uh, that's Baker Mayfield and Josh Rosen. Now, you know, uh, uh, they, and, and you know every one of those guys, and really every football player in this draft, in any draft, they got holes in them. But uh, you know, it's a matter of um, being able to. If when your uh, positive side overrides the negative side, um, you know, you, and, and, and teams like uh, New England, they just do a great job of uh, isolating what a guy can really do well, and then. They put him in the position to uh, do the things that help New England win. And, um, uh, you know, I, the big thing that I always emphasize to our guys is that, you know, I, I want to know what this guy can do to exactly. make himself play in the NFL. You know, I mean, I know that there, they, there's some things. I don't want to hear about, you know, 9 million negative things. about. I want to know how is this guy what can he do to play in the NFL, you know? And uh, and then, you know, yeah, I want to know some of the negatives and stuff like that, too, but not, you know, hey, if, if everything's negative or they say, well, he's adequate this, he's, well, that adequate means you can't play in the National Football League, in my opinion. Nope. So, you know, I want to know about this guy, what's going to help him play in the National Football League and help teams win. So, uh, and, and if, a guy, if you can't find that in a the guy, then obviously he's probably going to be a free agent. But, uh, you know, I think that uh, these other quarterbacks, you know, I mean, uh, uh, you know, Sam Darnold is like a cow on ice in the pocket at times, you know. He just, his footwork is awful, you know, and uh, he, 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 I mean, how can you get excited about taking a guy in the first pick of the draft that turned the ball over 37 times in 26 games? You know, I mean, you can't. You, you, I mean, if you do, there's something wrong with you. You know, I mean, you throw in the, you throw uh, balls into a crowd. Um, you know, I, I, I just can't. You can't ignore that. I mean, that is what it is. And uh, uh, yeah, he's only 20 years old. Can he get out of it? Yeah, maybe, uh, or maybe not. You know, maybe he's always going to have that. Uh, maybe he's always going to fumble snaps and things like that. And. Maybe one year in his career he won't be a, a fumble snapper and throwing balls into, you know, uh, into into coverage. But you know, you worry about the, the other because he'll have a real short career if he keeps doing it. I know that. But um, you know, and I think Lamar Jackson he's a developmental guy. He needs uh, work. Um, you know, but uh, he, you know, he in his career he's made his bones with his legs basically. Now he threw the ball. Even though the statistics were similar, um, you know, I thought that uh, he showed some uh, definite improvement. He got a quick release and everything. And and uh, now, to me, he's a perfect guy that you'd want to salt away and develop and uh, see what he does. Now, you know, Brent Huntley, we thought the same thing, that he would 
uh, improve a lot more, you know, going to Green Bay. We actually had him, I think, in the third round coming out, and he ended up going in the fifth. And he really hasn't taken that next step forward, even being behind Aaron Rodgers and being coached really well. And, uh, you know, he, he just, for some reason, hasn't done it. And, uh, you know, you're kind of worried about those guys. You don't want to make too much of a projection and then they don't do it, you know. So, um, but but Josh Allen, for instance, I mean, you know, I mean, I don't. I'm so sick of hearing about this guy's strong arm. That means zero in your list of position specifics. You go down there, and you know, you can have arm strength last. But you get, I mean, you got to be able to throw the ball out in you know, like 18 yard comebacks and things like that. But you know what? Ball placement is so much more that just the accuracy. Um, you know, you want to be able to hit that receiver in stride and uh, not have him slow down for balls. Uh, you, hey, uh, I don't need to have blisters on my wide receiver's hands. You know, I mean, I, I want guys. Well, for instance, uh, a guy you probably never heard of, but uh, Browning Nagel. Oh, are you, Dan? I Dan. I'm a Jets fan. I grew up in New Jersey. I know. And let me tell you something right now, Dan. It still stings that it was Browning Nagel, Brett Favre. Trust me, it, that one will never end here. Yeah. Well, you know, the, and, and uh, Browning was in my area at Louisville, and uh, he threw a very heavy ball. And, yeah, oh, that's great. He had that arm strength, and, man, he could throw it right through a, you know, an outhouse, a brick outhouse, and knock it over and all that, you know, but uh, who cares, you know, and, and there's another perfect example, Jamarcus Russell, he's standing on the street corner down in, uh, uh, you know, down in Baton Rouge right now, singing Take Me Back, you know, just like, the, <laughs> you know, like they did at Rocky down around Philly, you know, around the barrels, I mean, he just, got, hey, if you're a strong-armed guy, that's fine, maybe he should go out and do arm wrestling or something in Las Vegas, but hey, in football, you got to be accurate, you got to know where you're going with the ball. You got to be able to see the field. You got to be smart. Uh, you got to make great decisions. And uh, you know, Josh Allen has a tough time doing that. Uh, good kid, all that. And I know he's pretty. He looks like the you know he, he, the nicest racehorse, thoroughbred at, at the track and everything. But um, hey, you, you got to be able to. There's a lot of guys that look pretty out there that can't play. And uh, and we'll see what Josh does, but to talk about him as the first pick in the draft, really it's intellectually dishonest. And well, and that's the thing. And and this is you know, and obviously you know, there's guys who are you know the top of who are listened to. And this was the problem that I kind of had because uh, you know at this point, I guess it was about two weeks ago, maybe a little bit more, where Mel, Mel Kiper comes out and says accuracy is for losers. But then Mel Kuyper goes on a show about nine, ten days later, and he's speaking on Lamar Jackson, and the first thing he brings up is accuracy. So it's like, well, you can't paint the picture two different ways. And you know, and look, you know, Mel's getting older now. You know, I mean, you know, it, like we joke around it, and old, and now that everybody talks about draft and everybody watches, because now it's it's a bigger field because the access is great for everybody to be able to, if you want to study it, you can. But it's you can't force feed me, and you know, the excuses that are continually made. Oh well, he didn't have the talent around him. Oh, there's drops, and now with you know whether it's pro football focus or, or some of these, everybody's breaking this down, and you see that there's guys like Josh Rosen had more. He had the most dropped passes out of anybody in this class. So did Baker Mayfield as well. 
But you know, it's like nobody wants to use that to give them a leg up. But it's always something to maybe save Josh Allen. And look, yes, he looks exactly like what every prototypical quarterback should be. But in, years ago, isn't that kind of what we thought about Dan McGuire? Right. Yeah, that, hey, that's a good point. McGuire. Well, he was uh, the original Sequoia standing there. Uh, you know, he had no foot quickness or couldn't move his feet and. Uh, um, yeah, no, I mean, there's, uh, like I said, I just, I think that, uh, and I saw Josh uh, Allen live against Iowa this year, and I actually thought early, you know, in the year that he did make a, a improvement over the previous year, and I was encouraged, uh, even though and his receivers dropped some wide open passes and they had a whole group of new receivers, but you know what? Josh Allen did too, and so did Rosen. They they both had a bunch of new receivers this year, and, and Sam Darnold has some new receiver. I, you know, who cares? I mean, uh, I know that they don't um, you know recruit a lot of mules out there at uh, Southern Cal. You know, those guys are athletes out there, and you can see like uh, Burnett and some of the guys that are coming out this year. Um, but so I mean, you know, people. Yeah, that that's thing it drives me nutty because. Everybody keeps making excuses for the guy, and uh, the facts are, um, he, hey, if he can be a developmental quarterback and work on all the fundamentals, uh, he may have a chance. But now, the other thing that bothers me, uh, Jeff, a whole lot is his his uh, ability to see the field. I mean, you know, I've described it before in some other radio shows that he's driving a uh, horse-driven carriage on the Audubon. You know, uh, I don't think he sees the field and the speed of the game out there. There's some guys like that, you know, and they, they look out on the field and they see those oh, flashes across in front of them and things like that. You know, they, they hesitate and throw it where a guy like Mayfield, hey, he knows where he's going with the ball. He knows what the, the pre-snap read is. He knows there's going to be some changes in rotation things, but by film study, he knows where he's going to end up going, anticipating and throwing that ball. Well, I don't think, uh, uh, you know, Josh gets that, um, you know, Josh Allen. I just think that uh, he just got a lot of work to do. I mean, he's got some good things going for him um, with his size and whatnot. I don't care about how strong his arm is, but, he, you know, he's still got to take stuff off the ball. He's a work in progress, and I, I, I'm, I'm just afraid that, um, you know, too many people were telling him how great he is without telling him what his shortcomings are. I think that's kind of the thing, and that's what everybody seems, because now here it was, if you want to go back to December, uh, this would be 16 now, everybody was kind of the theory of, you know, here's this guy in the Mountain West, he's really interesting, and then all of a sudden was, oh, he might go pro this year, oh, he might go top five this year, you know, he, granted, he went back to school, and so what was everybody looking forward to as this, you know, the 2017 season came? Man, we're all excited as heck to watch Josh Allen tear up the Mountain West. He's got Oregon. He's got Iowa. Oh, man, let's dig in. And this year this year wasn't even the year that it was previously. I mean, you know, what I keep telling everybody is Josh Allen right now should be searching SEC schools or Big Ten schools for where he grad transferred to. The fact that he's here... And look, I, I understand he's probably going to get overdrafted, and he's probably going to get drafted high. I mean, if that many people pushed you out the door, but I mean, you know, you know, in my opinion, he should have just went down to Baton Rouge and said, "Hey, 
let's open it up here. Let's throw some footballs. Let's have some fun. And, you know, gone to somewhere where you could have gotten real quality tape and you could have gotten a real solid decision on him. Yeah, it, 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 well, the thing is, it's just, uh, you know, it, it, it's too bad. And uh, hopefully, um, we'll see. I pray the proof is in the pudding and what happens in the draft. We'll see what team. You know, uh, believe me, there's going to be some very nervous uh, general managers, uh, whoever takes him, and, uh, and you know, you're going to hear everything, well, we feel very comfortable with this pick and all that stuff, you know, and, and the writers and, and out there are going to say, well, hey, what about this, this, and this? And, well, you know, we've vetted them and everything is, and we, our coaches really feel comfortable with them and all that, but, you know, maybe the best thing happened is if, if he would go later in the draft uh, or later in, like, the first round or early second round, and then the pressure's not there on him right away where he can learn the posi- learn to play the position, um, you know. But, hey, well, and that's the same with a lot of guys. You know, you'd like to see him taken uh, where they get a chance because any of those guys get taken at the top, their fans are screaming to get them in the game because, hey, the best quarterback on the team is always the backup guy, you know. So, <laughs> um, you know, and, and, you know, so we'll just have to have to see about him. But, you know, another guy that we kind of like is Mason Rudolph. Uh, we think that, you know, the big drop back guy, uh, anybody that saw the Oklahoma State, uh, Oklahoma game, uh, you know, may feel that ball laughed and got in there and won the game for him. But, you know, uh, Mason Rudolph uh, made throw for throw with uh, Mayfield. And, you know, he had a really good career there. And uh, hopefully, you know, he's going to go late that first round, uh, maybe even the second, early second. But, you know, he, I think he's the kind of guy that people are going to let develop. I mean, he's a smart guy. He makes good decisions his reads were a little bit different you know and that uh, spread system and things like like most spread systems are but um in a good kid you know all things uh, all thumbs up there as alan everything you know all reports are he's a great kid and stuff too so um you know you you, know, you hope uh hope these guys um will go to the right team and they're not just thrown out with the bathwater and they're you know able to develop into a, a good pro quarterback and one of the reasons I think Mason Rudolph's being slept on a little bit is, you know, because you figure he's going to come into the league, obviously, as a backup quarterback. And, you know, what you hope with a backup quarterback is, look, you know, hopefully he's only going to play at worst a game or two a season. You know, hopefully he can bridge the water, you know, if, God, some, God forbid, something happens to your starter. But he's ex- got experience with the deep ball. So if you're a team where your defense is really good, you know, and maybe he can hit one or two in a game, you know, he can keep his team above water, you know, while you, you know, tread water, so to speak, until your starter comes back. He's, you know, and then the other thing is, you know, North is six foot four. His size is phenomenal. If you want to go by the old Bill Parcells adage of, you know, did he play X amount of games? Uh, he played, he met that requirement, no doubt. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, he's got a guy like James Washington that he played with, Marcel Aitman, two other guys in this class. So he's been around pro type of receivers. And I think he's a little bit being slept on here, Mason Rudolph. If, if you had told me I had to choose Mason Rudolph or Josh Allen, I would take Mason Rudolph right now today because I know what he is. Like you said earlier, tell me what somebody is, you know, as opposed to the list of negatives. I know what Mason Rudolph is, you know, right now, today. Right, and his consistency and all that. I mean, you like to see that. I know that, you know, that, that's the toughest thing. I think that that's what all... NFL scouts would like is a guy being very consistent and having a good book on him and uh, like Mason Rudolph being there four years and 
and that's the other thing uh, going back to Mayfield. Now, here's a guy that was in uh, New York three straight years for a Heisman. Uh, you talk about consistent. Yeah, I mean, you can't get any more consistent than that, playing at a high level for three years like he did. And, uh, you know, here we go. He's uh, And that's what, you know, that's where people missed the boat on Watson a year ago. Uh, we were concerned a little bit about his accuracy, too. Now, he was our second-rate quarterback, Watson was, last year. and uh, But... He made us a little bit nervous. He had quite a few uh, interceptions uh, through into certain coverage and things like that. But he had so many other things. I mean, uh, things going for him that you know um, uh, that in the way it turned out, the little sample we saw this year, he was outstanding. So uh, I think that we may see that out of um, a guy like like uh, Baker Mayfield. Uh, absolutely. And the thing is, in let me ask you this. You know, it's funny because. He does have the off-field incident, obviously, where you know he ended up drinking too much and obviously you know got himself in in handcuffs. But everybody wants to bring up you know whether it was the Kansas game or you know he threw a ball you know during a drill or ran through somebody else's drill. Those little you know pre-game and the whole Kansas thing shouldn't the focus be on the fact that maybe he's got an arrest on his record as a red flag as opposed to the fact that nobody on Kansas would shake his hand. You know, at the opening, you know, at the opening coin toss, and the fact that they took some cheap shots on him, and he got a little aggravated about that. Shouldn't the arrest be the red flags, not his on-field type of play? Well, yeah, and, and the way it turns out, really, that arrest was—I mean, it first started out that he was backing up one of his friends, you know, and uh, he just got in the middle of it, and he probably should have stayed away, but he didn't, and uh, so. But the other thing is, hey, the coach out of Kansas. They, I mean, they had to fire him because uh, he told those kids, the little kids that were there that went out for the toss, and his captains not to shake hands with Oklahoma. I mean, that guy has done a lot of crappy stuff. He didn't put his, you know, his uh, his depth chart out. I mean, I remember when they played Rhode Island two years ago, he wouldn't even publish his depth chart. I mean, what kind <laughs> of joke is that? Just get out there and coach and, and put your player players out there and play you know a lot of good that did you at kansas playing a couple games here in the last two years because of all your stupid stuff that you do and then you know mayfield just got put off by that and like he did get cheap shot and the officials didn't call it for the most i mean it was you know i sometimes you know some of that stuff is on the other side of just plain stupid and, and i don't know if people caught that uh, you know that little clip he also looked at the kansas crowd and said, I bet you guys can't wait till this is basketball season, you know. I mean, <laughs> hey, he threw a little, threw a little humor in there, too. And, um, no, i tell you what, uh, uh, Baker Mayfield, uh, he, he does, does not bother me at all in, in uh, anything that he's done off the field or, you know, planting the, the flag at, at Ohio State. I mean, that's kiddie stuff. The NFL's got a lot more to worry about than Baker Mayfield, I, I'll guarantee you. And uh, he, he, he is not a problem. I uh, talked to the different teammates of his, different places, and they absolutely love him, uh, think high, super highly of him, and, and uh, I talked with nothing but respect about him. And, you know, when your teammates love you, that means a whole lot. And, and I think that's the thing. It's, you know, it comes down to, if you're looking at a player, do I want to go, you know, do I want him on my side or do I want to go against him? And it seems... Most of the time, when you look at Baker Mayfield, he's the guy you want on your side because you want to know what he may. If he's going to beat you down, 
he's going to let you know about it. Almost got, you know, maybe if you want to say a little Muhammad Ali about it, he's going to let you know. He's going to let you know what's going on. It's almost a little bit of a, like I would say, almost a quarterback or a wide receiver mentality to the quarterback position. And one thing that you know people don't want to bring up. I mean, Philip Rivers has played. I guess what is it now? Fifteen years with this type of thing. Like he, you know, he lets you know. Look, if he's getting the better of you, because God knows quarterbacks, people are getting in their ears when they're getting better of you. Well, you're getting the better of them. You're going to give it back. Exactly. Uh, now, Dan, as far as the rest of the class, I, I want to just go to this positional group. Um, the offensive line, I think. I think the interior aspect of it, you know, Billy Price today, obviously, you know, whatever the injury is, I'm not sure if it totally came out, but obviously, you know, had a bow out after three reps. So, you know, that's a tough blow. But it's a really good interior class. But the offensive line group, we're always looking for guys on the outside. This was a weak group coming in after some measurements, you know, after, you know, seeing some guys on the bench. It it seems the offensive tackle group, it's just taking yet another hit. And this is... You know, for me, looking you know over the last few years, this is one of the most shallow offensive tackle groups there has been. Yeah, oh, absolutely, no question about it. In fact, we called that last fall you know, when our, our uh, preseason book came out and uh, said that you know that that was uh, one of the weak groups, and it sure hasn't gotten any better. And um, you know, I, I think that uh, the interior, like. There's some really good centers out there this year. And like you say, there's some really good guards. Um, you know, I think Wynn from Georgia, he's a tremendous guard. And, of course, the big dog, the best lineman in this draft, you know, Quentin Nelson. Uh, who went to my uh, just, who, who went to my yeah, high school? Went to my yeah, high he's school. Gonna be a, did he? Well, yeah, absolutely. Well, he's going to be... He's, he's going to have some trophies for that, uh, the, you know, the, uh, Pro Bowl jersey you can send back to your high school and put him in a in a show in a, you know, in the trophy <laughs> case because this guy is, you know, he's going to be a Pro Bowler whoever drafts him next year. So that that's the other thing you got to look at when you're picking up, you know, picking the top ten. Well, you know, how many Pro Bowl guys am I going to pass to take a quarterback? I'm afraid to take, you know. So uh, that, that's that, that's the other sticky wicket, but. Um, you know, uh, yeah, he, Nelson's just, you know, tremendous. And I don't think somebody's going to try to kick him out to tackle because that would might, you know, he, he's got to stay at guard. If he does stay at guard, I think he's going to be, uh, you know, like I said, a, 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 he's probably the best guard. And it's right off the top of my head since DeCastro. We really liked DeCastro when he came out of Stanford. And uh, I think Nelson, you know, very well might be that. Yeah. And then, like I said, Wynn's going to be, a really good uh, offensive guard. You know, I think that uh, he's got the footwork, I think, to play tackle, but, boy, that length is bothersome. But, hey, you know, he, uh, um, like I said, they, hey, and you said, too, they, they need tackles out there, and they're not, and they're just not there this year. Okay. Um, now, Orlando Brown, I mean, a massive, massive guy. Um, I, I can understand a little bit, you know, that guys with the longer arms are not going to bend so well. I still think, you know, I think this affects maybe where you draft him, but at the end of the day, is this going to affect the fact that he is a starting left tackle in the NFL, Dan? No, I, I tell you what, I think at best he might be a right tackle. I don't. I didn't want to say today. I, I I didn't like to jump on anybody after one day, but you know, that was the first thing I thought is you know what maybe we have ourselves a really good right tackle here. 
Yeah, well, I think, that, well, you know, the thing is, he's still a cap right to get around him. You know, he's so big with uh, his long arms. But, you know, his body's not very good. He did, he's not in great condition. He did, uh, um, you know, those long arms, that's kind of a fallacy. I mean, it is true. It's tougher, you know, to uh, uh, put it up 225 pounds up, you know, an extra three or four inches rather than a guy like Hernandez who a short arm guy, you know what I mean? But that's kind of good news, bad news, because um, unless he can get inside and grab you, Hernandez, you know, uh, you know those those uh, little stubs he's playing with, yeah, you know, offensive line coaches, they'd rather have a leaner guy that can zone block. Now, he's a he's more of a man-blocking type guy, tough guy and all that, but, you know, I, I, hey, there's a, I used to love centers that, you know, were around 6'2", 6'2", 6'3", and uh, but now, hey, a lot of offensive line coaches will take a taller guy, six four, six five, because of zone blocking ability and getting that second level and, and things like that. So, um, you know, I think that uh, you know uh, the, those long arms. People can make excuses about not getting that two hundred twenty five pounds, you know, up a little extra. But you know what? There's a lot of long long arm guys. In fact, I saw something today. I think on Twitter that. Um, that he that Brown had the worst of you know any of the but I think Chad Ruder had up there about three thirty five plus arms guys those long arms that he had the worst bench press what the two thousand three or something so he didn't work he didn't work in the weight room you know what I mean uh, he should have been able to put up over twenty easy if he did any kind of work at all um, and he didn't so that that's bothersome. I mean, he's, he, he's, and he's a real nice kid and all that, but I don't think he's got the eye of the tiger like his dad had. Well, and that's the thing that comes down to it. And I remember a few years ago uh, during the draft process, there was the, you know, it was the LSU strength coach, and he put the list of the names of the guy right out, guys on the window and said, don't ask me about these guys because you want to know what? I don't see them much. And, you, and that's the thing. And, you know, I, I remember now as I was a 180-pound wide receiver in 1993, and I could put up four reps of 225. So the fact that a man is this big, it, it, it comes down to dedication to craft. And are you, you know, and look, yeah, I, and I remember guys, you know, and I remember the guys who came into the weight room and it was like, wow, I think he was here for an hour and a half. I don't even know if I saw him touch a weight. You know, and so those guys, I mean, you know, if, you know, the way he is, the build he has, the player he was, it was enough to just squeak by. But you're not going to pull that in the NFL, and you know, with more dedication, he could have done a better number. So you know, and you understand that. But then you, you know, and then you worry about it though, because as big as he is, there's it brings up the worrisome traits of well, are you going to be able to control your weight now when I hand you money? Are you going to be able to, you know, are, are you going to control your weight? Or, I mean, are you going to go out on Friday night when all the players go out? Are you going to eat, you know, 36 chicken wings? You know, and the next thing you know, you're going to be, you know, north. Of, you're going to be closing in on 360. So, I mean, there's a lot that he has to do to show the dedication to the game. Because even his weight now needs to be brought down to a little bit more manageable number to get himself a little quicker and have some more flexibility to his game. Yeah, and you know, he came out and said, "Well, I've always been a fat guy." And, yeah, that uh, see, that's that's right. just terrible. That's just terrible. Yeah, yeah. So he's. Uh, it's not like he already gave up already. You know that he's he's not gonna. You know, because I know a guy that, uh, well, actually, yeah, I, you know, I know a guy that was down there at that all-star challenge thing in Dallas, and he said that he had hoped to lose, you know, 10, 15 pounds before the combine, and, 
and, and to him, that would be, you know, a couple of Big Macs and stuff a day. You just stay away from those, and he probably would have lost it, but he didn't. So, uh, you know, you won't have to worry about his dedication. And, and you know, when you only get so many hours to work with your coaches uh, because of the CBA, you better work a lot on your own. And, uh, yeah, I, I worry about that, too. So, I mean, I, I mean, I put him in the first round just simply because there's no tackle. Exactly. I mean, you know, but... He's, he's, he's out of my first round now, I guarantee you. And, you know, and you see on some of the boards, I mean, he's not a consensus first-round guy, and you got to think to this point, and I doubt he's going to wow us, wow us with agilities, so you got to think to this point, you know, he's going to see himself, you know, not in the top 32. Guys, you've been listening to Lockdown Browns, episode 164. Don, uh, Dan Shanka from rlads.com has joined us here, brought all of his experience, and we've gone through, obviously, the combine to this point. Uh, guys, we're not too far away from Major League Baseball. Obviously, exhibition is you know exhibition season is upon us. For me, as a draft guy, football guy, it's a great thing because it accelerates the process till we finally do get to April 26. But go ahead, uh, Locked On Network has you covered. Locked On MLB, every team is going to be up and running by opening day. Go ahead and check that out. Whatever team you're looking for, Dan. One question, and this is from a good friend of mine, Bill Carroll. He's even older than I am, but the process and everything, he will watch any film he can get his hands on. And this is one of the questions he has. And this is one of my favorite questions to ask of guys with your experience. How do any of us, when watching players, watching film, watching tape, how do we learn from guys that we missed on? Oh, well, you know, I think the thing is, uh, is, you know, you're consistent. It's not so much you missed on them, but, I mean, the consistency, if you're consistent in what you do, you know, your position specifics on a player, you know, and, and things like that, if you're consistent. Now, you can't control a guy um, in what team he goes to. I mean, you know, you mentioned Bill Parcells earlier about uh, he always liked people that played three and four years, had so many games, this and that. And, you know, and, and Sean Payton, I talked to Sean last year, or two years ago, I mean, I like, I, I wanted to see him take Vernon Adams from Oregon to, uh, you know, to his camp, and uh, he says, well, how big is his hand, Dan? Because I worked with Sean at, uh, at Philadelphia, and I know Sean quite well, and I said, well, they're right at nine, and he said, well, Bill Parcell said you had to have, you know, over nine-inch hands and stuff like that, so, you know, that's what some of the coaches, they, they hang their hat on, um, but... Um, so, but what now, for instance, um, it's like, uh, I, and I missed, uh, I guess you'd say, on a couple of quarterbacks. But now, one, one thing Parcells always said now, too, before I go into this, is that he always said that, you know, you can have everything right, but then you're, they're drafted in the wrong environment, and then, then the, you know, you're in trouble. Hey, if a, an offensive line, or an offensive, uh, uh, coordinator or something doesn't like you for whatever whacked out reason it may be or what have you um that can make uh, problems on a guy making it or not making it and uh um uh, now two guys that uh, i learned from um it, it, i'm gonna give two different situations here one i was with the team so i i had the inside i knew everything about it my interview is uh uh, college coach uh, Mike Bellotti then I mean I went to uh, I was at practice two different times during the year um, I was at 
two different games where he was spectacular, um, and he looked like a pro quarterback, and that was Joey Harrington. I mean, I'll tell you, Harrington was as good. Uh, I mean, he could throw that ball on a line. Uh, he could throw that deep outcut. He was very accurate. He was very smart. He was a good person. Uh, he worked hard. Um, everything he could, you know, it, he checked all the boxes. Well, he goes to Detroit, and then he gets receivers who were, you know, all those receivers that were drafted there that were supposed to be, supposed to be studs three years, first rounders in a row. Hey, they couldn't catch half of them. The balls are bouncing off their hands, and then he gets, you know, the ball's intercepted. Like, I, I, I specifically remember one game where he throws a perfect pass to Williams, the receiver in the end zone, and uh, instead of being a touchdown, you know, bounced off his hands, now it's an interception, you know. And, and, and the play before that, he'd thrown a touchdown pass to him, and they drop it. You know, then the next one he throws to, you know, another one of the receivers, and it bounced off for an interception, but... Um, I mean, so what did I learn? Well, for, from Joey Harrington, I mean, he checked all the boxes. I learned that he went to a bad place, and I thought it was a good place. I, I mean, I, I, Steve Mariucci is, to me, really a good football coach. And uh, But you know what? If your receivers can't catch the ball and, um, you know, you, you uh, have other problems there with your offensive line and things, if you're not into a good environment like Bill Parcell said, Hey, it doesn't matter. You can check everything off, and it can be a train wreck. And then the other guy that I'm gonna uh, that I, I missed on, and he went to a place too that uh, I think they gave him a chance uh, in some respects. But the offensive coordinator wasn't real smart having him throw down the field all the time. And you're gonna know this guy very well. That's Geno Smith, because <laughs> when Geno came out of West Virginia, I mean. I, I did a lot of work on him. Now, this is when I was with our lad, uh, doing our lad stuff. I wasn't with the team. And, I mean, I talked to high school coaches down in uh, South Florida. You know, I talked to uh, Dana Halverson over at West Virginia. I talked to people that played against him. I talked to uh, just a variety of people that went through there and everything. And they gave me the skinny on the guy. And, uh, you know, Gino had the uh, athletic talent to do it, um, and I still remember in the Orange Bowl, he threw like six touchdown passes, uh, I think it was when he was a junior, and I mean, he was, I mean, he was just outstanding, and then, you know, you get in the National, first of all, he goes in the second round, and everybody picks him apart saying, well, he's looking at his phone the whole time, and he was doing this, well, hey, every kid looks at the phone all the time, you know, I mean, <laughs> uh, and, and stuff, and, and anyway, you know, Gino, uh, the thing is, he didn't know how to shut up. I guess he could just—he he needed to just go and keep his nose to the grindstone, get in there and study film. I was told he was—he worked real hard at studying film and everything, and and the other people that went through there besides you know the coaches that told me that and stuff. But anyway, you know, Gino was probably his own worst enemy. So um, you know, and I learned. So I mean, you know, you learn from that. But I was consistent on what I did. It's just that. Sometimes these guys, they blow up. When they get to a place, they can't handle the pressure or they can't. Now, you know, Gino would have went somewhere besides New York. Maybe he would have been a and obviously a better coordinator. You know, I mean, here's a coordinator that has the guy throw down the field more than uh, anybody but Aaron Rodgers as a rookie. You know, I mean, when you got a, a rookie quarterback, you kind of spoon feed him. You know, hey, have him do checkoffs and, 
check down and things like that. But Gino made a lot of bad decisions throwing the ball, you know, in the crowd stuff. And every time, you know, I got a little encouraged about him when he was with the Jets, man, he just, uh, you know, threw it away. So, I mean, that's, you know, I don't can he get, can he do better now as a backup and maybe uh, improve some? You know, who knows? It, but I tell you what, the coaching has a lot to do with it. And uh, to me, that might be as big a thing as anything is getting them in the right spot with the right coach. And I know that's not always possible. And it, I mean, it is difficult, obviously, with the turnover of it. And the one thing I do go back to is um, after uh, you know, Gino was with the Jets, and this is when the Jets, you know, they made a trade for Percy Harvin when they really they made the trade and they were not involved in anything. They brought Percy Harvin in, and they literally told him they put him out and said, "Throw the ball to Percy Harvin on this play." It turned into an interception. It was the game they got waxed. So you see how much coaching does come into it. Dan, I'm going to take you right now and put you in the GM mode of the Cleveland Browns. You hold the number one pick in this draft. Um, you're going to take a quarterback because just you y- y- almost have to. Um, and I've seen the way you've been talking about two guys. Are you selecting Josh Rosen or are you selecting Baker Mayfield? Um, I'll tell you what. Um you know, I, I think I would take the Quan Barkley one. Okay. And uh, <laughs> you know, it's not, believe Barclay it or not, you were not the, you were not the first person to bring that up on this show. You're not. But go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I, I Barkley is is our top guy and is the best football player in this draft. And I think that when you're picking one, you all pick the best one. And uh, you know, so then I think here's what happens. Now, if you really like one of those two quarterbacks, and we like Mayfield, hey, you may uh, may entertain and call Dave Gettleman and say, hey, Dave, uh, we'll give you a two, you know, to get up there. And, and our twos are looking pretty good since, you know, we're sitting there uh, early in the second round. One of our twos is going to be pretty good, and uh, you need some more help over there. We'll a give lot you a of two, help. and maybe we'll <laughs> throw you a little sweet seed and uh, maybe, you know, a little something else and get, get up to a two, and then you – you, you know, and uh, so now um, we go, and Dave's still got a good pick, and he's going to get a good football player there, but now we ensure ourselves we got the quarterback we wanted and we got the best player in this draft. So, you know, if you could do that. Now, and he may not have to, you know, uh, John may not have to, and I used to travel on the road with John. John was the Packers as a road scout and stuff like that. Uh you know, I travel with John and, and see him at a lot of different schools, and we scout a lot together. So, um, and, you know, I, I think that his experience under Ted Thompson will give him a lot of thought and what he, he will do. And um, But I think that one of those quarterbacks, and, they, and there's probably going to be, there's probably going to have two of them they feel very good about at least. And uh, so maybe if they can't work a trade, maybe they'll go ahead and at four, you know, a lot of people are saying what we're saying, Jeff, that, that you know, Baker Mayfield's too short. He doesn't have this. We'll take Sam, you know, Darnold. Well, Baker Mayfield it probably could be sitting there at four. You easily. Know? And so you can get it without even a trade. Yeah, very easily. So you get not the best player, you still get your quarterback. So uh, and now somebody lurking back there, you know, there may be some other people say, hey, Baker Mayfield's Drew Brees. I want that guy. You know what I mean? And they'll trade up ahead, you know, uh, but I don't think that will happen. I, but you, in this crazy uh, 
NFL where everybody's got to have a quarterback, and you know why. Um, but but with all the quarterbacks there, I think it's it's a good gamble that uh, he will be there at four. So you get your you get the best player in the draft. I think a guy's potential Hall of Fame running back. Um, get him at one, and then go ahead and get your quarterback at four. Well, you have the offensive line in place. Obviously, will ease the burden on the passing game if you have that type of talent. Um, you know, Isaiah Crowell, he did play well, but you know, you know, the, you know, the term the old left a lot of meat on the bone was there. You're not going to get that with a Saquon Barkley. So it does make sense. I mean, if you were at one and four. So, you know, guys, what Dan's saying here is, you know, go ahead and double dip quarterback, running back, figure out a way to make it work. And, you know, I know there's a lot of brands, Browns fans who are, you know, regardless of who the quarterback is that they like, me personally, Josh Rosen is that guy. Um, and it's kind of funny because we went through this all off seat, you know, we went through this and, you know, as Rosen got better as a player, I tried to tell you guys, I think Josh Rosen is bigger in every way. And now we do have the factual information. Yes, Josh Rosen is taller. His hands are bigger. He weighs more. So it kind of puts some of that stuff out of the window. <laughs> you maybe look at Baker Mayfield coming in here with, I think he would fit Cleveland so well just from the fact that, you know, what you thought you were getting in Johnny Manziel of a guy that, hey, I know the world's against me. I, I carry a chip on my shoulder. But now you're getting that guy in Baker Mayfield. And look, whatever quarterback comes in, you know, you go to five, six, seven wins for the Browns. I mean, you're putting him in, you know, almost LeBron status because that's what it's going to mean to turn this franchise to a northward bound, right, Dan? Yeah, I, I you know, I, no, I, I agree. I mean, I, I, uh, uh, I think that um, the thing about, um, you know, that I really like about Mayfield is that he's electric. You know, I mean, he's a guy that will send a, a charge right through the organization because of the way, you know, he's he a super ultra ultra competitor um, and um, just a guy that he, he's consistent in what he does. Uh, and, and what worries me about Josh Rosen, though, is the concussions and that it, you know, it definitely, right shoulder. It, it definitely yeah, brings up that, something. I mean, that that I mean that that bothers me, but he is our second-rated quarterback. I mean, I I really like a lot of things. I mean, fundamentally, this guy is you know off the charts. I mean, he just uh, does everything well, keeps speed under him, and uh, you know. It, but one thing I do like about Cleveland's, uh, you know, he's got they got the two offensive guards in there. That that's what Drew Brees always needed. You know, at New Orleans, he needed the the guys that be able to step up and they have to seal inside. So. He's got a lane to throw in, and uh, they and Cleveland's got that. You know, they got the two big guards, with exactly what you need, and uh, so I think that that um, I, I, you know, I, I understand that you know it that that division, how tough it is, and and the physicalness and everything, and uh, but um, you know, I tell you, Mayfield, if if people are smart, now I don't know if Haley. I mean, Haley, Haley used to eat, you know, a big big. Uh, a uh, guy like Ben, you know, who who extends plays and takes hit after hit after hit. I mean, you know, uh, obviously Baker Mayfield can't do that. Uh, but what he can do is he slips a lot of hits, but uh, they can roll him out, you know, uh, you know, from inside at times too. 
and uh, he can throw well on the run. He's after it. I don't care where you have him throw. He's after it. So um, if, you, if, you, if you're accurate and you make great decisions, you can help Cleveland win. Ah, Dan, it's been an absolute blast. Guys, Locked on Browns, episode 174. Dan Shanka from OurLives.com. His resume is deep. He's been involved in football from every aspect. We've covered, you know, how a scout would view the combine. Uh, we've covered, you know, how you learn from missing on a player. We've covered this class. We've covered the quarterback class. Dan's given us some fantastic quotes. Uh, I've got it written down here: "A cow on ice." That's a fantastic one. Uh, make sure you check out, you know, uh, follow Dan on Twitter. Check out rlaz.com. It's a great team. They put together some fantastic work. Go ahead and follow the show at Locked On Browns. You guys have been fantastic here. Uh, four months in, the li- you know the listens and subscribes just keep getting deeper and deeper. I appreciate you so much for that. Go ahead and follow myself personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Um, if you guys really enjoy Dan, and trust me, you're going to enjoy Dan. We'll try to sneak him back in here one more time before April. Uh, Dan, as far as the site, is there anything you'd like to let the listeners know about what to look out for here in the coming weeks? Well, yeah, I'll tell you what, they can go out and put their own mock draft up there with our mock draft challenge. Uh, they can put comments about the players that they uh, want to put in there, and then, uh, you know, we, we give $500 cash to uh, the winner, and, and we've got people, I think there's probably, there's over 100 that have played, I think last year, um, by the night before the draft, I think we had like 700 people that had <laughs> their mock drafts on there, you know, so, um, and we just got to start a I want to say a little over a week ago, something like that. And uh, but that mock draft challenge is a lot uh, fun to play. And then there's a lot of things on the website. Our you know our NFL depth charts. We've got them color coded. Uh, uh, the free agency and all that. The free agency tracker. The college players that are coming out uh, by uh, school. They're um, they, they they're color coded on what the way we've got them graded at this point. And there's just a lot of things to do at ourlabs.com. You've got to take your choice and and see what you want and for the pro or college or the draft or what have you and uh, uh, a lot of a lot of really good articles on players and things so a lot of stuff at allads.com all right dan thank you so much uh to my browns listeners guys i appreciate it uh everything you do for me uh the show just keeps escalating and you guys are the reason for that uh until tomorrow night when we're finally going to get some on-field results let's go browns